0: Judges chapter 6. So Tuesday night we're here and we did just one chapter because when we come to the life of Gideon and particularly chapter 6 of Judges, there were so many good things that I could not do two chapters that night. So we're going to be with Gideon this week and then next week as well. Gideon's a very famous person in the Old Testament and tonight we're going to look at his calling. So In this sequence of the book of Judges, about 1500 B.C. to 1100 B.C. in Jewish history, under the Mosaic Covenant, the Israelites are God's people. We saw in the book of Joshua they're in the promised land. They've got land to inherit. The Canaanites are still there. They need to finish the job. They need to expel them. They don't belong there. But they didn't do that. They merged with them. They gave their daughters to their men, their men to their daughters, and they become unequally yoked, and they're worshiping the the false gods of the Canaanites. And there's this sequence where they're oppressed by their enemies, they cry out to the Lord, God gives them a deliverer, that's a judge, and we saw that last week it was Barak and Deborah, and the week before that it was Othniel, and now tonight we get Gideon, and so as we come to Gideon, we're going to look at his call, the call of God on Gideon's life, and we pick it up in Verse 11 of chapter 6, God had just sent them a prophet telling them, your problems with the Midianites being in the land, overwhelming your land like locusts, like the swarming locusts, is that you've not obeyed my voice. You've not obeyed my word. So he made very clear to them why they have these problems. And then as they're crying out to to him, he's going to heed their cry and raise up Gideon. And that's our background as we come to verse 11. So in the midst of this oppression, this occupation in their land, we read in verse 11, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was an Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why there If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the smite of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he, Gideon, said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if now I found favor in your sight, this is Gideon speaking, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour, the meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot. He brought them out to him under the terrapin tree, presented them to the angel of God, and said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out his end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And the fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it is still an Ophrah of the Abzerites. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old. Tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, Cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bowl and offer a burnt offering, a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants, did as the Lord had said to him, but because he feared his father's household and the men in the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Everything else good in Gideon's life is a result Of these 24 hours. This narrative all happens in a 24 hour period. So here's Gideon threshing wheat, which you do outside in a cave in hiding to protect their food, their sustenance. In the earlier part of this chapter, it said that the Midianites came in to devour everything they had. They they wanted to take everything they had. The Midianites wanted the Israelites destroyed. And God had raised up the Midianites to chasten Israel for their disobedience to him. And so here's this day, Gideon just doing what he does. He's just trying to, he's literally grinding it out. You know, when you say like, in surfing, they have that term like, dude, how you doing? Like, oh, bro, just grinding like that. You're just grinding. Like, get up on Monday morning, go, you got to do this, you got to do that, got to take care of mom, take care of pop, do these things. You're just grinding. Like, you're grinding. That's, that's, That's what it is. He literally was grinding. He's he's grinding the wheat. And he's under oppression, under fear uh, for his life, for his wealth. He didn't have security in his being and his ability to live and exist. He didn't have security in his wealth. He didn't have security for his servants. Obviously, he had servants because it says he took 10 servants. So he had employees. How are you providing for your employees? You're all broke together. The whole company's suffering, right? It's like when you have to close everything up and it affects everybody. And the Midianites are there and they're taking everything. It's a very difficult day. It's a very difficult social circumstance that is going on here that we find Gideon in. This is not a happy time. This is not a good time. This is not a good time politically, socially, economically. This is a really bad time politically, socially, economically, spiritually for God's people. It's a low point. It's a very low point. And so here's Gideon. We know from his own confession, he's heard all about what God did for the previous generations. He's heard what God can do, the the miracles and all those things. And he's just grinding. It's kind of like, I think a lot about our country and the next generation with our young kids in here tonight. They say of the millennials and Generation Z, really Z, which is the younger kids here tonight, that it's the first generation in American history that has given, considered less opportunity for their future than all previous generations. Each successive generation in America has made it better and expanded, if you will, the kingdom, where the country's gotten stronger economically, the living standard's gotten stronger, in, in inventions, innovation, lifestyle's gotten stronger, less poverty, all higher education, all this kind of stuff. And it's this generation which really is the result of all the bad policies from the last 40 years that the baby boomers that are older than me made after the summer of love in 68 and brought a curse on this nation with all their licentiousness and evil things they did and all the policies we put in place, that now Generation Z, my grandkids, are the first generation in American history that are given less opportunity to be homeowners, good jobs, and meaningful education. If you give everyone higher education, then you don't really give them higher education at all. Because higher education is not for everybody. Greatness is great because it's not easy. So if everyone can be great, it's not great. Or as it's been said, people spending money they don't have to get degrees they can't use to look for jobs that don't exist. So, In this pluralization that we find in our culture, this is not the point of my message tonight, but we do understand the context of getting here, it's very similar for our young people. It's very similar. And most of this church is baby boomers and Gen Xers, and of course there's some millennials here. And I think it's really important, as we're going two years around the block now with this new world that we're looking at, that this message tonight, this study tonight, is going to renew us in our vision for greatness with the kingdom of God. For our personal lives and for our children and our children's children. And particularly the young people here tonight. I want you to know there is a future and a hope. And it's better than what we got. Now, he, American government can say it's less opportunity. and They can twist and spin, cancel, woke, broke, and everything else they want to do. But what guides us here is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And as we've been saying in the book of Judges, yeah, there arose a generation that did not know the works of the Lord, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It literally says that in the book of Judges, which describes America and most of our planet. Good is evil, evil is good, common sense is long gone, and there's 17 genders, which is just complete insanity and nonsense. For people who insist on science, they're the most unscientific generation I've ever seen. So this is what we get. But not to be downcast or disheartened, because Jesus is on the throne, and when you're grinding and the future looks bleak for some Gen Z person in high school, along comes the angel of the Lord. That's Jesus. The angel of the Lord is Jesus in this case. Now, we read something that's like an angel appeared or an angel of the Lord But as we mentioned before, these are theophanies. So all things are made by Christ and for Christ and him all things consist. He is before all things. He is all things. So it's not like Jesus just showed up as one cell in Mary's womb after the Immaculate Conception. Jesus has always been working. He's always held the universe together. And in the Old Testament, at the burning bush and at various other times, we have these Christophanies or Theophanies where you have Old Testament appearances of Jesus coming into time, space, and matter from the place of glory. Because remember, he laid aside his glory when he came to the world. And he comes to the world. Now, he doesn't come in his incarnate state. So when we're dealing with Jesus appearing as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's not like he's appearing like as he was a man. You know, Because, of course, he's the son of man, the son of God. And when he chose to become a man, he was completely dependent as a baby, as a newborn baby in the house of Joseph and Mary in a poor family. He took those limits, and then, of course, his ministry began with the Holy Spirit coming on him and all the miracles and everything he did. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who considered it not, robbery be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and dying the death on the cross. But in the Old Testament, he does make appearances And in this case, it's not an angel because twice in the text, in verse 14 and 16, it says the Lord. He's referred to as the Lord, not the angel of the Lord. The Lord is speaking. And you can say, well, maybe, yeah, the the angels representing the Lord, like Gabriel or Michael or something like that. But there's every reason to believe this is Jesus, a theophany, a Christophany. And if by chance it's not, and it's an angel of the Lord, the angel's doing what Jesus did in the New Testament. He's appearing supernaturally of a different dimension, which Jesus did, and he's calling this man, Gideon, to be an army of one, which is awesome when you think about that for a minute, and to bring about deliverance for God's people. The army of one plus God is all you ever need. The army of one plus God is all you ever need to change the world and to be great and to do great things, which means your greatness, my greatness, all of our greatness who confess Jesus in here tonight, your and my greatness is not limited to, your greatness isn't limited to me, nor is mine limited to you. The army of one plus Jesus in our life is the greatness that is the very purpose of your life. And we are redeemed by Christ and by his blood and filled with the Holy Spirit to be great for the kingdom of God. To be great because the cross is not average, tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost is not average, handkerchiefs that heal people is not average, it's supernatural. And even as Danny prayed earlier that we'd be spirit filled and ask and seek and knock, we say yes and amen. There is nothing average about the cross, the church the kingdom, the great commission, and our place in the universe tonight. Because the church is the bride of Christ, and he's coming for his bride, and he loves his bride. And he's not done with the work he wants to do through his bride. There is greatness right around the corner for each one of us with Jesus Christ as we choose it. And in this text, when the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, He's coming from a different dimension, so transdimensional, so the curtain's opening like Elijah's chariot. And here he comes. All of a sudden, there, like Jesus in the fire with Messiah, Chark, and Abednego. There. Double dimensions. Time, space, and matter, like here, but the eternal dimension over it. Wow. Awesome. And in that realm, what the angel Lord says, the Lord is. With you, mighty man of valor. And we talked about this Tuesday, and this really is a key thought tonight. God looks at each one of us, there's a potential for our lives, obviously. And we know that the Bible says, Wide and broad is the path that leads to destruction, and many go thereby. The person that goes on the wide and broad path that rejects Christ their whole life, they never lived, they existed. A fallen remnant of the glory of God created in his image. They never lived because Jesus came to do what? To give life, abundant life, eternal life. When you're born again, the light's on. We're made alive. In Adam, all sin and die, but in Christ, we're made alive. We pass from death to life. So the broad path that leads to destruction that most people on planet Earth have chosen for 6,000 years is one where they exist but don't live. And Christ comes to give life. And you see, when we're born again, and we receive Christ, and we pass from death to life, when we're adopted into the family of God, we become joint heirs with Christ, and he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, now we live. Now we live. We're made alive. We're living. And grace abounds, and mercy abounds, and forgiveness, and hope, and all the promises are yes and amen, and we're alive. And so here, as the angel of the Lord appears to him, he says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And as he's speaking this word, this phrase, mighty man of valor, we say tonight, mighty women of valor, mighty man of valor, young person of valor, older person of valor. It's God speaking who we're meant to be and the fullest potential of us fulfilling our God-given destiny in the purpose of our life. This is not an average message tonight here at Worship Generation. This is a prophetic message because this is what the church needs to do in 2021 as we load up and get ready for 2022 and an uncertain future. We need to be great, not our greatness, but his greatness in and through us as we're fully transformed by his power and walking in his strength and in his calling, we have that greatness. See, we, the, too much of the church feels defeated, divided, discouraged, downcast, disheartened, Jesus looks over every believer on planet earth right now and says, go mighty man of valor, mighty woman of valor, be all you're meant to be. Soar. Flourish. Be abundant life. Be eternal life. Be joyful. Be triumphant. Be victorious. Be those things. And we've had such a beat down from the devil and demonically inspired men and women that we forget we're destined for greatness now. We are destined for greatness right now. The blood of Jesus Christ isn't waiting to make us great in eternity, which it will do ultimately. But where's church? When they said, "Is it now going to be time to restore the Father's kingdom?" No. Don't you worry about that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's your business. And that power is no less available today than it was, you know, 33 AD. That power is ours. We need to quit playing for a tie in our personal lives. And we, quit, we need to quit being crippled by our failures of our past and the fear of an unknown future. The church needs to be triumphant. We're daughters of the king, we are sons of the king. We are royalty. Ours is the eternal kingdom. Ours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. That is the church. And so when Gideon's here grinding, trying to keep his business alive, grinding because the supply chain's not working, grinding because of the threats of the latest mandates that are around the corner, he's just grinding. How are we going to do this? He's in the day. He's in the moment. You have to be when you're grinding. And he could have almost forgotten who he really was as a child of the king in the Mosaic covenant. He could have thought in that cave that God doesn't know, God doesn't care on nobody because that's what he said he was. He was destined for greatness. Even as Joseph in the prison of Egypt 800, 700 years before, always faithful, faithful to his dad, faithful to Potiphar, faithful in the prison, all around him were faithless and unfaithful to him. He was faithful, 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 grinding, grinding, grinding. You know, before he became the second most important person on planet earth, he was broke and had no personal freedom. Joseph, the son of Jacob, was in prison falsely accused. It's bad enough to be in prison because you should be in prison. He was falsely accused. For years he was in that prison. He had no bank account. He had no 401k. He had no assets and real estate. He had any cryptocurrency, good stock, bad stock. He had nothing but the responsibilities that he saw God gave him every single day in that situation and he was faithful. And he could have said, God, you've left me. You gave me a dream when I was 17 of all this greatness, and you left me, and how can this be? But that, no, 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 no. In one day, he went from the prison to the palace. And in one day, he inherited everything. He got the chariot. He got the best car. He got the SUV you can't find. That tundra that you can't find? He got it. Because the king has a tundra in his garage. He got it. He, uh, the sprinter van, he got that, too. The, 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 the best lot on the river, that's yours. He got that. You know, most people that win the lottery don't know what to do with the money. Most people that go from poverty to wealth, they blow it and they don't know how to handle it. Because you learn how to handle money as you gain money, which is part of our message tonight. But Joseph, he went from zero to millions. And within 14 years, he was a land baron that made Donald Trump look like a beginner in real estate business. And everyone sold him everything, and you know what? They felt really good about it too. In 14 years, he made everybody happy. He saved all their lives. He blessed the nations around him. He was a great employee for his boss, and people were happy to sell him their land. He was a blessing. There was greatness on his last day in the prison there was greatness right there, hanging over his head, and God had not forgotten him. How about Mary, probably a teenager, poor—we know, very poor—in love. Don't you just love romance movies where they're both poor and they're in love? They're young in love and they're poor. It's kind of like Fiddler on the Roof, if you know. Like just like, just like, I don't want to marry the forty-year-old, you know, the, the butcher. You know? I want to marry the young guy, you know. You know, it's like, it's like she was poor, she was in love. Her heart skipped a beat when she looked at Joseph. It really did. And then the angel came. And she was going to be the most amazing woman in human history. She was going to carry Jesus Christ in her womb without having sexual intimacy with a man. Now she said, how is this going to happen? There was no precedent. And Gabriel walked her through it. You know, she said, let it be to me as thou hast spoken, the maidservant of the Lord. There's greatness right there. And destiny the rest of her life. Greatness and destiny is all right there. How about Esther? No parents. A captive in a foreign land. Very attractive. Obviously. Saves herself for the right man. And she gets pulled into this beauty pageant where she has no choice on the matter. Has to parade herself before this king. But she wins the king. And then suddenly she's in a place where it's absolute greatness. For that very moment, her destiny. All that flower of youth, all that beauty. Not for her and her handsome king, but to save her people. It was her greatness. It was her destiny. And the Church of Jesus Christ in 2021 on the fourth quarter, looking toward 2022, has a destiny for greatness. Every one of us redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And of that, I'm 100% certain of right now. Because this is the word of God. And so... Gideon looks in the mirror and he sees nothing but a grinder. But Jesus speaks to him as the angel of the Lord speaks over him all that he'll be. You mighty man. This valor. You mighty woman of valor. Forget your past and forget the fears of your future. You, I'm not speaking over you what you look and see in the mirror right now. I'm speaking over you what you will become according to your God-given destiny by the power of the Holy Spirit for which you are created and conceived in your mother's womb. Like God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I ordained you, a prophet to the nations. Don't tell me I'm but a youth. I'm telling you, you're going you're gonna to tear up and you're going to plant. You see? And what applies to the saints of old and the saints of the present and the saints of the church age applies. This is the glory of going forward at an altar call with great glory or just saying a prayer to receive Christ or just believing in your call to a decay wave. And you say, yes, Lord, come in. This is is what happens, and most of us don't even fully grasp the magnitude of that. We have all of Christ's power available to us, and all the promises available to us, or none of them. We're either existing or living, and God wants to move us in the abundant life to fulfill our destinies. And the greatness he has for us. Because what can be greater as a speck of dust on planet earth? From the dust we came, the dust will return. We go the way of all men. And yet in all of this, his thoughts are more for us than the sands of the sea. And there are good thoughts, not thoughts of evil, but thoughts that give us a future and a hope. We need to be reminded tonight. In the body of Christ, when this message goes out on K-Wave, needs to be reminded that we, by the cross of Jesus Christ, are destined for greatness if we'll embrace it and run with it. We're not meant to exist and to be fearful and ashamed of our past and fearful of an uncertain future. We're meant to let it go, look up, and get on with the business that God wants to do. And that's what we must do. Because the angel Lord says, the angel Lord sees him for who he is meant to be in his greatness with the Spirit of God upon his life, because later on in this chapter, the Spirit of God came upon him, and his calling. It's Jesus walking by Matthew. Here's Matthew, Levi, the tax collector. Follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. You'll no longer take, you'll give. That's what I'm going to do. This is the call of God. This is what he does. He looks at you and I, and says, this is who you are, what you see, but what he sees in the mirror is completely different. And tonight, in the context for us being an, an older congregation, it's not so much understanding and, and embracing like Peter and Andrew following Jesus and dropping the nets like John and James. That's not really our application. It is for the younger people here, but that's not really our application. Our application is, is rem- being rem- reminding ourselves who we are. Our application is remembering this is the way it works. This is who we follow. Our application is not cruise control or fighting to hold something, but our application is is being on the offensive in a good way, not to offend, but on the offensive like in sports, where we're setting the tempo. I'm not waiting for people in power to tell me what to do for the kingdom of God. I'm seeking the Lord in the morning to have him tell me what to do for the kingdom of God. They bowed Our king. He holds the king in the palm of his hand, it says. And God raises up one and brings down another. It's all a test. Mighty man, mighty woman. So for a moment, ladies, I want you to think of what you see in the mirror and ask yourself, when you came here tonight, do you see a mighty woman? Maybe you have 60 years in front of you. Maybe you have 20. My ex-sister-in-law passed away two nights ago. A baran stepped into eternity. Back Baran, my brother's first wife. 63, passed in her sleep. Josh and Sarah's mom. There's sorrow in our family right now. That was years ago when Phil married her in the 80s, early 80s, but there's no coming back. Do you see a mighty woman in the mirror, ladies? Or do you just see failures of the past and fear of the future? Because failures of the past will keep you crippled and fear of the future will probably cripple you even more. Men, do you see failures of the past, fear of the future, or do you see the greatness? Because I want you to wake up tomorrow morning, November 7th, 2021, and I want you to look in that mirror when you brush your teeth, and I want you to see what Jesus sees when He looks at you. WG Body of Christ. I'm sick and tired of the beat down that the church is accepting and rolling over and playing soft. We own the spiritual realm. We own this universe under our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are destined for greatness, and I intend to be as great as I can with every breath I got and every day I have as a move toward eternity. I don't like to look in the mirror. I don't like to think of my fears of the past, and I don't like to think of my fears of the future. I don't trust myself for the future, and I know not to trust myself in the past. And you probably think the same thing, but I'm not gonna let it cripple me from being fruitful in the moment. Nor should you. Jesus looks at you tonight, and all those things are gone from yesterday. And all those things aren't even certain for tomorrow. And he calls you a mighty woman and a mighty man. So wake up and get after it. So with Gideon, there is some insight here because he says, like, well, but but what? When you look at the cross, the day of Pentecost, the promises of God, but, but what? He says, if the Lord is with us, why? Where? But now? See, we can talk ourselves out of things. Faith, we're looking to the Lord, but if we look in the mirror too long, we're gonna just start thinking about past failures and future fears. See, he said, if, there's no if. When, when God looks at you and calls you a mighty woman, you're a mighty woman, so be that person. When he looks at you and calls you a mighty man, you're a mighty man. Be that person. Don't say if. If what? If the promise doesn't really apply? If the cross didn't really happen? If the blood doesn't really atone? If there's not really tongues of fire for us? If what? See, I'm doing rhetorical right now. If, if well, if the Lord is with us, if the Lord, if the Lord is with us, what? If what? If the Lord is with us, why? Listen, when God calls you greatness, don't look back at him and say, well, if, why? Where? But? Don't do that. People do that. I've been in ministry for 33 years. Trust me, I've seen God put his hand on people's lives to call them to something great in ministry, and they go, if, what, where, why, but. And they talk themselves out of it. And the only thing worse being lost and existing and not living is being saved and not living. WG, when we look toward the last part of this year in 2022, let's just lay those ifs, why, where, and buts in front of the Lord and just say, that's an offering to you. We can't change any decision from yesterday or any action from yesterday. So take that if and that why, and that where, and that but, and just put it on the altar. And by the way, you look at Gideon. You know, for a guy that's grinding, he's got some worldview, doesn't he? Oh, but, uh, you know, now the Lord's forsaking us. Oh, what are you, a theology major now? You're grinding with 10 employees that you can't pay, and suddenly you have a theological worldview, huh? You know more than the Lord. Because the Midianites Midianites are allowed in the land. You have a theology and a worldview based upon what you see. Let God be true and every man a liar. See, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit. And the carnal man is just as bad because he's just lustful. It's the spiritual man the spiritual woman that can discern things. Joseph was more ready for his day than Gideon was for his. But they both were called and they both went on to greatness. <laughs> we 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 formulate ideas and opinions of what we think God should be doing. Like pretty much, we could have passed out a flyer tonight, a little piece of paper. What do you think? Why do you think God's allowed this? Why do you think God's allowed that? And why hasn't God done this? And why hasn't God done this? And boy, we, you know, we could we could fill some stuff out. Don't let Difficult circumstances in things we have no control over change our worldview or limit the power available to us and the greatness God wants to do in our life. Don't let evil men and evil women keep us from the greatness God has for us. They, They can't speak over my life. Is there any man or woman that rules on this planet has more authority over your heart and your mind than Jesus Christ? Of course not. So why would we let them rule over us, our thoughts? Why would we let them unsettle us? People who hate God, why are we going to let them come in our world, in our space, and get in our headspace and trip us up? Where we start thinking we really have nothing to live for and there is no hope, there is no future. That's, those are lies. And I don't need to get excited because maybe there's a shifting in our country toward, you know, because it's always like back and forth. I don't even, it doesn't matter. What matters is that Jesus is on the throne. And the only worldview that matters is his. And that's what we need to be reminded of tonight. Jesus does not need to hear some doom and gloom, Eeyore, Winnie the Pooh worldview about what's going on there. Oh, Lord, why is the Lord, but know the Lord has forsaken us. Has he really delivered the hands of the Midianites? Because right now the next Sunday is going to tell you you're going to deliver your people from the Midianites. So your worldview just got just got blown up. It just got blown up. Like his worldview is like, the Lord forsaken us and delivers the Midianites. No, actually, he's not forsaken you. And he's here to call you to deliver all the people as an army of one from the Midianites. Isn't that amazing? It's how you frame things. It's really important how you frame things. Right? It's how you frame it. If you just see negative and doom and gloom, then that's what you're framing. But if you see the promises of God, the blood of Christ, and tongues of fire, hey, that's a nice view. That's the view of Daniel when he opened his window and prayed openly with the threat of the lions then over him. You just open that window. It's a beautiful day in Babylon. Guess I'm going to pray publicly and talk to the kitty cats tonight. (laughs) Because this is what I do every day of my life. I open my window and I face Jerusalem because that's where the glory is. That's where I'm looking. I'm looking up. Frame it. Frame it with the blood, the promises, and tongues of fire. Therein is your greatness. You want to frame it with fear, men, politics, wonky science? Oh, man, you just stay in bed. Whatever decisions you need to make, make those decisions, but frame it with faith, hope, and love, the cross, the blood, tongues of fire, promises of God. Because we're born again. And we're destined for greatness. We need to move toward our greatness, especially us older people. You know, when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl last year, even I was stunned by that. I have to tell you, you know, he probably is the greatest athlete ever. And when he left the New England Patriots and went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I thought, this I just can't see this. He went to a losing team. And then when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers made the playoffs, I was like, oh my goodness, Tom Brady's doing what no one's ever done. I mean, Joe Montana kind of did it, you know. Back And then also, and if you don't know football, it's okay. Stay with me. And then Tom Brady, they go to the Super Bowl. I go, Tom Brady is like 42. He's on a different team. And he's in the Super Bowl. And he's playing his buddy, Patrick Mahomey. I always call him because I never got his name right. And it's like, and he won the Super Bowl. And they said after the Super Bowl, like with the Tampa Bay, a team that was seven and nine, won it all with Tom Brady. And they said, "What was the difference?" They said, "He just believed in us and gave us confidence we could do it." You got Tom Brady in the huddle; you got a chance. We got a lot better than Tom Brady in our huddle. Yeah, it's all how you frame it. You got to believe. Dumbo and his feather, right? Dumbo lost his feather in the Dumbo movie, but Dumbo, 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 it's not the feather; it's not the lucky feather. You can fly! Oh, right? Penis. Pop, 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 pop. Baby boomers know that movie. z generation, know. Dumbo, what's that? It's probably outlawed. But, um. <laughs> but, you know, Dumbo had the lucky feather and, you know, it really wasn't the feather. You got to frame it. You got to believe it. So no excuses. No funky, faulty, wonky worldviews. Just do what you got to do on behalf of you and your family as you feel led. But whatever you do, don't let it Take away from your confidence in the blood, tongues of fire, and the promises of God. There is one body, and it's the church of Jesus Christ. And the devil's just trying to divide everybody. We're unified in the blood, tongues of fire, and the promises of God. And we're unified for greatness. Now, another thing that we see here that we'll wrap it up with on tonight is in this calling for greatness... Because we, you know, like the thing about greatness is it doesn't, like, you think, like, you wake up one day and there's greatness, but the greatness was being developed the whole time. Like they always say that it's not, when you get to the destination of greatness, if you will, it was really the journey that made you great. For example, even Tom Brady, he was a backup quarterback at Michigan until his senior year. He started one year of D1 football. Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. He was drafted in the fifth round. Nobody wanted him. Tom Brady. And when Drew Bledsoe went down, he was the backup. Drew Bledsoe was a legend. And Brady came in, got the job done. Bledsoe never got his job back. But we, John Wooden used to say, you prepare for your moment. You you prepare for. Swen Nader, the great center, he was a backup to Lou Alcinder, Kareem Kareem Abdul Jabbar, at UCLA. And he got his moment. We got to be ready for a moment. And when you're moving into greatness, when you're moving into those things that God has for you, we often think, like, "Well, I got to do this and I got to do that." It's just some big grand plan on this massive roadmap. No, it's not. It's the next thing. WG, we remind ourselves tonight, before we go home, that greatness is simply obeying God for the next thing. And that's why I read the story of Gideon tearing down his dad's altar ball. When he was called and given the vision of who he really was meant to be, and it was confirmed, then he was told what to do. The first thing you're going to do is tear down that offensive altar to Baal in your backyard. Because judgment begins in the house of the Lord. We always begin where we're at. It's the mall. You are here. You always start where you're at to get to where you're going. If you gonna go to the Puma store, you, you're here. It's, it tells you where to go. You know, God only requires faith for one step. It's always just the next step. Greatness, it's not like you go home tomorrow morning you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm going to do something great. i got a whole new chapter, a vision in my life, and i got to take ten steps. No, you don't. You only have to take the next step. Go to your father's house, tear down the altar of Baal, offer this bull this way, that bull that way, and then I'll tell you what to do. Greatness was just the next step. Just the next thing to do. What's the next thing to do? Do it. What's the next thing? What's the next thing to obey? Joseph always did the next thing. He's betrayed by his brothers. does the right thing with Potiphar. He's betrayed by Potiphar's wife. He does the right thing in prison. He's abandoned in prison, gets to the palace, does the right thing. This is the next thing. Day before, Joseph, there in the book of Genesis, is managing the food and distribution to all the prisoners. The next day, he's got the 14 year plan for the wealthiest country in the world. Oh, here's what I do we do real estate, Bitcoin, da 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 da. Pharaoh's like, sounds good to me, man. <laughs> you got the dream and you got the interpretation. Hear the pause. You're the new CEO. I'm the owner of the CEO. I'm on the board. You run it. It's just the next thing. See, if we're faithful in the little things, more is entrusted to us. What does Jesus say? To her who has, more will be right. But to him who has, and none even have, what will be taken? And it's taken and given to another. See, the kingdom is always about sowing and growing. And faithful in the things of today is the foundation for the things of tomorrow. But it's not a means to an end. We're not being faithful today so we can have more tomorrow. We're being faithful today because this is what we're promised. We obey the Lord today because that's the right thing to do. But in obeying the Lord today, we're moving toward a pattern of obedience. And as we are faithful to do what he tells us to do, let go of this, go after that, He's going to entrust us with more. And let me remind you, all of us, because this is what I've been thinking about for a lot of people. There is risk in everything. So just accept that right now, WG. There is risk in, there's risk in waking up and living. Life is filled with risk. People die every day, every imaginable way. Sharks, dogs, pedestrian crosswalks, airplanes. You, life is filled with risk. So you have to get out there and get after it. Our good friend, Luke Caldwell, who led worship here at our very first service. And he was faithful in every little thing he ever did. He was so professional when he came here. He was like Jeremy and Phil, just so tight, tight sharp. And we blessed him. We, we poured into him. And then eventually signed the label with Jackie Velasquez a label and all these things. It, never, it, just, it was never meant for him to be like Jeremy and Phil and these big guys. But he was just as gifted and same skill, but, just, but he was faithful. And then lo and behold, 10 years ago, he figures out how to become a land baron and a real estate tycoon. His grandfather was in Long Beach two generations ago, Bob Caldwell's dad. And Luke got ideas. So Luke was first, he was flipping, and that was his TV show, Boise Boys. Wonderful show on HGTV. Good witness, too, and all of it. He loves Jesus. He's been through a lot. Adopted what, five special needs kids? the girl from Ukraine, the four children from China. He opened his heart. Him and his wife have a big heart, Miranda, and they got all the kids. Well, now he's got the new TV show on HGTV, Outgrown. It's, I've cried every episode. It is so good. Because what Luke Hallwell does, if it was this good with Boise Boys, it's going to be that good with Outgrown, from glory to glory. See, you should get better at what you do. And Luke Hallwell told me, make yourself Excellent. At something and then make yourself a master in that field of excellence. And he made himself excellent in real estate. And then he made himself a master in Boise real estate. And he told me earlier this year, Joey, you just got to get after it. And that's what he told me. Dude, fact, he said, this is exactly what he said, you got to get your hustle on. I was like, whoa. It's like Gen Xer term, you know. Dude, get your hustle on. He's like, hey, you're 60, you need his personal counsel and stuff. He's like, dude, no one's going to do it for you. Get your hustle on. Get after it. It was good counsel. We need to get after it. We need to seek the Lord for the vision. We need to Trust him with all the heart, lean not on our understanding. acknowledging all of our ways. But every one of us in this room tonight that says, Jesus is Lord, don't be crippled by failures of the past and fear the future. Let the word of God speak over you with the blood of Christ and the tongues of fire and the promises of God's word. Mighty woman, mighty man. And seek the Lord for a fresh vision. I'm not trying to bring this ship in the harbor because there's a storm at sea. I'm ready to plow right through the storm and get to the other side. That's my worldview. The Lord is, it's the opposite of Gideon's. The Lord is with us. And He's ready to move mightily in each of our lives for greatness. And I'm tired of the devil beating down the church for the last two years, having us turn on one another and call us losers and discourage us and all these things that would beat us down. Forget that. Jesus Christ is our King. And we're the church. And the blood and the fire and the promises are our destiny for greatness. So face the trials of taking care of your elderly parents or your adult children who don't walk with the Lord. Face all of them, your sicknesses, your cancer, the death of family and friends, worldviews that r- affect your life that you're agreement to or against. Well, just face it. Get your hustle on, WG. We're not coming here to listen to me be like, yeah, we're all good. Just come back. Just wait for the alarm to go off. No. Get your hustle on with the king. And don't be afraid of brave new adventures and taking new risks and getting out of your comfort zone. Everything is a risk, especially now. If you find a safe space, please let me know. (laughs) So I know not to go there.